once again a joyful Saturday, even in this time of the dreary weather and the rain. I hope no one was affected by the flood from the other day when it pretty much came out of nowhere. Huh? But that's how it's been lately. We, we don't expect nothing but a little shower and all of a sudden we have flooding everywhere. But don't you know that the Bible talks about that? It says that it's even going to get worse than that, so don't be disheartened. Just know that we're closer now to the coming of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, than we was yesterday. I'm going to ask um, Pastor Chapman if he'll open us up with a word of prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. First of all, we stop and talk and thank you this morning. We also have done a whole Sabbath day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to come in and pray and worship your name, Lord, to be able to spread the seed of your word one more time. So, God bless you, Jesus, forgive us for sin, fault, and trespasses. Have the word to be able to reach someone today. We know that the word says, God, that your word will not return void. So, God, as we put the word out, as we sow it out as seed, God, we know that it's going to fall on some good ground. So, bless us today, God. God use us, forgive us, and have us to be ready on this great grand glorious day when we send your son, Shalom Mashiach, Jesus Christ the Messiah, to come back to this earth to gather your people together. And continue to equip us, God, to go out into this world, teaching and saying that which is lost. And we'll be sure, God, to give you all praise, glory, and honor for it all. And it is in the wonderful name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 joyful Sabbath. As we get ready to get into this week's lesson, Lesson 8, it's called Creation. Genesis as the Foundation. And as we talked about before, you have to go back to the beginning to understand some of the things that's even being said in the New Testament. And we're going to see that right off with our memory text. The memory text says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made. In Him was life, and the life was the life of the men. And we know that in John 1 and 1, just real quick, it says in the beginning was the word. So we know that that's a definite article that's going to be what's prevalent throughout the rest of this text. And it says that he was with God in the beginning. So we know he's talking about his son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. It was Jesus who went out there and did what God wanted done. It was through the word. It says that God said, let there be and it was created. Like I said last week, that's why I have no problem with the theory of the Big Bang Theory. It says that from one point of origin, everything was created. And we're going to talk about Darwin's theory of evolution and stuff in a few minutes when we get into the lesson. The first chapters of Genesis are foundational for the rest of Scripture. The major teaching or doctrine of the Bible have their source in these chapters. Here we find the nature of the Godhead, working in harmony as the Father and Son that you can find in John 1 and 1 through 3, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, and the Spirit, Genesis 1 and 2, to create the world that is all and all that's in it. Culminating in humanity, Genesis also introduces us to the Sabbath, the origin of evil, the Messiah and the plans of redemption, the worldwide universal flood, the covenant, the dispersion of languages and the people, 
and the genealogies that prove that the framework for the biblical chronology of the creation to Abraham, finding the power of God's spoken word, the nature of humanity, God's character, marriage between a man and a woman, stewardship of the earth and its resources, and a promise, a promised hope of a new creation. These are all based on the first chapters, which we will be studying this week and next. Now, the thing that I find, we went through all these things, and you know that you just find that in the, in the first few chapters of Genesis. Then there's some others that he talks about later on that you'll see in the New Testament. But that's why reading the Old Testament is important. Something we have to realize. And it was brought to my attention that I, I kind of had a I, I was kind of taken back by this statement that was made. And there's many people that don't even know the, when Moses was, when David was, the order of which they came, Abraham, Jacob. And if you're not understanding that very basic principle to see how this thing is built, because remember, Jesus' bloodline was very important. When you read, when you first read in the New Testament, it shows you the genealogy. In Matthew, it goes back and it shows the whole genealogy, the bloodline of Jesus. Why was that important? And then some people ask, what does that have to do with my salvation? Well, if you don't get a good timeline of how this thing is playing out, how can you even believe in Yeshua, the Christ? Because that's in the end. If you're not believing in him, in the word, what are you standing on? In the beginning, Genesis 1 and 1, what deep truths are revealed here? And let's go to Genesis 1 and 1. And I hope you follow along in your Bibles. As I'm doing this, just don't sit there and just take my word for it. Let's read it together and see what the Bible is saying to us. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. What deep truths are revealed here? And before we go any farther, there's going to be some words that we're going to be looking at. Sometimes it's going to say God created something, then it's going to turn around and he said he made something. Created is something new. You cannot, it's not made out of anything else. To make something, you have to have something already, like baking a cake. You have to have flour and eggs and milk, shortening, whatever you're adding to your cake. You already have to have those ingredients. You cannot create a cake. You make a cake. When it says that God created something, that means it was brand new. Then later on, you're going to see when he talks about like the, the, the sun and the moon, he took stuff that was already there and he made it. When he made man, he took some things, but he first, it also says he created them in their image, but he made them out of the dust of the ground and the breath out of his nostrils. So catch the difference between something that's created, made out of nothing, and something that's made, which you have to have something here. The Bible opens with the most sublime and profound words. Words that are simple, but that simultaneously contain a deep, a measured depth, which care, when carefully studied. And I just found that out doing this lesson right here. Uh, I found out that when I really slowed up and started observing some things, I was trying to put some preconceived notions and things that I thought I knew 
And when I started really slowing up and really reading some things and, and, and playing connect the dots, I found out that I missed a whole bunch of points in these first couple of, this first chapter. I missed a whole lot of stuff. In fact, the greatest question of, philo of philosophy regarding who we are, why are we here, and how we got here are answered by the first sentence of the Bible. We exist because God created us mm -hmm. at a defined time in the past. We did not evolve out of nothing. Like I said before, we wasn't some green little ooze that got hit by lightning and it energized it and all of a sudden we came forth from a, a ooze. We didn't come out of monkeys and animals. We did not do the Darwin theory of evolution. Nor did we come in existence by chance. Because remember now, the Bible says that God knew you when you was even in your mother, before you was in your mother's womb. For no ultimate purpose and with no planned direction, as much as the contemporary scientific models of origin now teach. And here we go to our boy Darwin. Darwin's evolution is contrary to scripture in every way and attempts by some to harmonize it with the Bible makes Christians look silly. We also were created by God at an absolute point in time, in the beginning. This must mean that God existed prior to his beginning. That is, God existed before time was created and expressed in the daily cycle of evening and morning in the months and the years, all marked by the relationship of the world to the sun and moon. This absolute beginning is echoed and, and supported by other passages of scripture which continually reaffirm the nature and the meaning of God's creative work. And that's what we read in John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, there was the word, and the word was with God. Read John 1, 1 through 3, and Hebrews 1 and 1 and verse 2. Who was the agent of creation? And we've already talked about it, but let's go read Hebrews 1 and 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in his last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir over over all things, and through whom he also made the universe. So once again, we see that it was Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. What? Think about what it means that he also died on the cross. And really think about that. Here he was, created everything from the beginning of time was in charge over everything, but had to come down here, give up his, 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 eternal, his eternal part to come down here to be made in man, in a man's image, and walk a life, and then he was asked to die for it. We got many people running around here right now wouldn't die for anything. Then we got some that want to die for everything because we have no regard of life. But Jesus' precious life, think about that. He was God's son. But yet, he went on that cross and died for us. The Bible teaches that Jesus was the agent of creation. The 
Bible says all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made. And we know that's John 1, verse 3. Through Jesus, he made the world. The worlds. That's Hebrew 1, 1 and 2. Because all things have their origin in Jesus in the beginning, we can only have hope that in the end, he will complete what he has begun. Because he is the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. And we know that's Revelation 1 and 8 and Revelation 22 verse 13. What difference does it make to know that you were created by God? Imagine if you didn't believe that. How differently would you view, would you view yourself and others and why? And really in this society we're living in with all the atrocities that's going on right now, do you really believe that God created you? And if he created you, that means he had to create every other human being. But why is it that we can take out a life without a thought or without even a blink of an eye? We know the, the, the racial things that's going on, the racial profiling. We know the racial killing that happened in Georgia. He's not the only one. It's happening all over. And even if it's black-on-black -black crime or white-on-white -white crime, See, that's our problem now. We have no regards. Killing is killing. Once you kill somebody, it don't matter what the color of their skin was. The outcome is still the same. It's death. But we can take a life so quickly. Because sometimes I wonder, do we believe that we're made in God's image? You're going to kill God's image. For what? Most of the time, it's something that's so silly and stupid. How can you go up and shoot a security guard in the back of the head because he told you you couldn't come in with a mask off? Do you really think God created you and that other human being? And I'm really talking to the Christians because we know that the evil, the ones that, that have not accepted, we don't know what they believe and what's on their heart and mind, but you that's calling yourselves Christians, the called out ones, the ecclesia, you can kill somebody over a frivolous matter and not even blink. I think if we really believe that we are God's creation, that there would be something in you that would pause. And I'm not saying there's not times that you have to defend yourself, and I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about all these senseless murders, because that's what it all is. The days of creation. In recent years, there's been a trend to view the creation week as non-literal, as a metaphor, a parable, or even a myth. This has arisen in the wake of the theory of evolution, which assumes long ages of time to account for the development of life on the planet Earth. What does the Bible teach in this subject? Why are the days of creation in Genesis 1 to be understood as liberal and not figurative days? Real quick, right now, before we get any farther into the lesson, there's some things that we kind of have to clear up about this, this word days. You, and I kind of have a problem with some, what the author's getting ready to start talking about, 
Because until the sun and moon was created, you didn't have a cycle of time. Before that, you had God. He's creating things. And just because the Bible says that in the end of that was a day, that doesn't necessarily mean to that point that it's a 24-hour period. Now, after having some talks, I cannot be so dogmatic to say it's not. You have to look at both sides of the coin, and then you're going to have to accept for yourself reading what's in the Word and not trying to add anything to it, though. Because let's look at Genesis 1. Three through five. And it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness he called night. There was an evening. There was a morning. There was a first day. Notice now, the sun and moon ain't mentioned right here. We're going to talk about that later on. What is this light? What does God say in Revelation? That when we make it into eternity, there ain't even going to be a sun no more. That the glory of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, is going to light up the heavens. And we're going to see that light. I believe, and this is just my opinion, I'm just reading this, that the light he's talking about here now is the light of the sun. Because there is no moon and there is no, no sun. There's no stars. What's that? The S-O-N. The S-O-N. Yeah, because that's why I should say Yahshua. So we see here, how is the term day used in these contexts? And that's the problem I had because the author, now see, he's trying to use a literal, a literal term of the word day. And until you have the sun and the moon to separate the time period, you have it. It's just there's a, there's a light and there's a darkness. And if we was to read down a little farther and you start seeing about when he created the heaven versus the earth, like I said, when I really started slowing up and reading this, I didn't catch this at first. Because I always thought that was when, when he separated the, 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 the waters and stuff. I thought that was the beginning of dry land. No, it's not. If you keep reading more, slow up and read a little more, you'll see later on where he separated the dry land from the water. What he did was he pulled the heaven up from the earth. So what was that telling me? At one time, they was together. And that was that darkness that hovered over, but the Spirit of God hovered over the darkness. The Hebrew word yom, or day, is used consistently throughout creation narrative for a liberal day. Nothing in Genesis creation narrative indicates that any other than a liberal day was meant. That's why I say I have a problem with this right now. The, what he's trying to drive home Let's just keep our open minds and, and just, we'll see through the lesson that there are some little holes in this little theory. As we understand a single day today, in fact, some scholars who don't believe the days were liberal will nevertheless admit that the author's intent was to depict liberal days. The thing here that I interject in is, there's a verse that says, 
A day of man is like a thousand years to God, and a thousand years to God is like a day of man. And until we have the sun and moon to come in to separate the 24-hour period, can you really call that a day? It's interesting that God himself designates the name for the first unit of time in Genesis 1 and 5. Yom, or day, is defined as a phrase, as a phrase. And there's nothing, and there was evening, and there was morning. Now, real quick, just to give you some little Hebrew history and, and culture and stuff, how they tell time, they don't tell time like we do. When the sun goes down, that's the start of the new of day. The new day. Mm -hmm. That's why I catch what it said. There was evening, then there was morning, then that was called the day. See, we're taught at 12 o'clock. We start a day. No, well, that's not how they count time. That's why sometimes when we try to start counting things in the Bible, it don't make any sense because our day and their day ain't the same. Yama day is death defined with the phrase, and there was an evening and there was a morning. The term is used in a singular, not plural, meaning a single day. Thus, the seven days of creation are to be understood as a complete unit of time. Introduced by the cardinal number ecti or one, one, followed by the original number second, third, fourth. What he's trying to say here is there's only one day out the week that has a name, and that's the Sabbath. And we're going to talk a little more about that. Every other day, when you look in your Bible, it's the first day of the week, the second day of the week, the third day of the week, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, and then there's the Sabbath day. That's the only day in that's the only day in the Bible that has a name. Now, if you do some studies about calendars and stuff, you'll start understanding why Sunday, the sun god, when you really start looking at what these names of these days mean, moon day. I mean, it's, it, it was based off, you have to remember that the Roman Empire at that time was in charge and they brought in things that they knew to name these days. The Bible doesn't do that. There is no indication in the use of terms or in the narrative form itself that there should be any gaps between the days. The seven days of creation are, indeed, seven days as we designate, as we delinquent days today. Also, the literal nature of the day is taken for granted when God wrote with his own fingers the fourth commandment, indicating that the basis for the seventh-day Sabbath rest on the sequence of literal seven-day creation week. Genesis creation isn't the only creation in the Bible. There's also the recreation at the second coming. Now, he kind of did a little, if it's a creation, and if you put the word pre, it means there already has to be a creation there. When God will transform mortality into immortality in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. We know that's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. If, however, God can do this instantly at the recreation, why would he use billions of years for the first creation as 
theistic evolution teaching. And like I said, you cannot start counting time to the sun and moon period. We don't know really what that time period was. How long did he hover over the earth before he even made day and night? So can the earth be a billion years old? Yeah, it possibly could. I don't know. I know what, you know, geologists did studies. There are certain things. If you really go start looking up the Earth's makeup, there is ways to, with carbon deposits and all this, you can time date how long this stuff is. Really, too, like I said, that really don't matter because we don't know how long God hovered over this Earth. The most important thing is once he started creating things and making things. That's the important part of it. So quit arguing about how old the Earth is. The Sabbath and creation. Today, the seventh day Sabbath is heavily under attack in the secular society and in religious community. Huh, ain't that special? Mm -hmm. This fact can be seen in the work schedules of global corporations in an attempted, in an attempted change of the calendar in many European countries, designating Monday as the first day of the week and Sunday as the seventh day. And by the recent Encyclical on climate change, they call it the seventh day Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath, and encourages the world to observe a day of rest to alleviate global warming. Ain't, ain't that special? Now, all of a sudden, we, we need to take the Jewish Sabbath and maybe look at it for a day of rest for the earth. Real quick, all of us. I guess the first time that I was enlightened to the Sabbath was really when I looked at a calendar. And no matter, not like they said, now they are trying to change how the calendar looks. But for all of us who ever grew up and went to school in kindergarten, first grade, learned how to do a calendar and learn the days of the week. You look at the first day, it's Sunday. The seventh day will be Saturday, and the cycle starts all over again. So, Sometimes just looking at a calendar, that's where it came Why, you know, we see the Saturday, and like I said, go do some research that has to do with the, uh, the God of Saturn. Once again, once that stuff we learned about in Greek mythology when we was in high school and stuff, that's where the name Saturday comes from, the God of Saturn. So, sometimes you gotta stop and ask yourself. Read Genesis 2, 1 through 3, Exodus 8, 1, Mark 2 and 27, Revelation 14 and 7. How is the understanding of the creation week tied to the fourth commandment? Genesis 1, Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says, Thus the heaven and earth were complete in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished his work he had been doing. And on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the Sabbath day, made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of the creation he had done. We'll get into that in just a minute. Now, this is where people start having problems with the Sabbath day. When we go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, because now Moses is talking. God is talking to Moses, and Moses is going to go talk to the Israelite people. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. And if you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor the female or male, or male servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, made it holy. Mark 2 and 27 says, yeah, let's go to the New Testament. Let's see what let's see what the one who created the day says about it. He then says to them, the Sabbath was not made, was not made for man. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. New Testament. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son, and I'll throw this one in because he said don't go this far, but I always like to. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Revelation 14 and 7. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and the spring of the waters. How is the understanding of creation tied to the fourth commandment? Well, we already see, he says that he took him six days to do his work, and then on the seventh day he rested. Then he named it. Now let's go back and look at Genesis chapter 2 and 1. And I really want to focus in on verse 3. Then God blessed the day and made it home. Let's just stop right there. Now, at this time, he created man, <clears throat> he created humans. But we don't see where he really started interacting with them until later on in chapter two. And then in chapter three, we see then. Right now, at this point, there's two people, Adam and Eve. And I find nowhere in scripture that it says they were Hebrews. It just says they were a people. And he gave them this command. Not only did he give them the command, he also blessed it and made it holy. To make holy means you set apart from the rest. Now, one day you want to go to church and do whatever, but you cannot change what the Sabbath is. It's holy and blessed. In other words, it's blessed. We wonder why sometimes stuff is happening in our life some things are not happening in our life. But it says it is blessed. Now, in Genesis now, I mean in, in Exodus, when Moses talking, when God's talking to Moses at first, he said, what's he telling him? What's the first word he used? Remember. To remember something that already had to be seen. Then Moses had to go down and tell the people, remember the Sabbath. So no, this was not given, this law was not given first to the Israelites. It was first given to Adam and Eve, the mother and father of our creation, if you're calling yourself a follower of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. Amen. And even if you don't claim, guess what? They're still the mother and father. 
of all the rest of humanity. That was given to them. Then they had to remind the Israelites, because remember now, when they're coming out of Exodus, and this is another problem we had, you have to remember, you almost have to read Genesis, Exodus, and Joshua in order to get the, the timeline going on here. Because all this good stuff happened to God's people through Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, all, all these people here, you see leading up, and then Joseph brought them into, into Egypt when the famine was getting ready to happen. They were there for 400 years. They were in slavery. Then God finally said, let my people go. He sent Moses to go bring his people out. Now, if they would have been murmuring and complaining, they would have made the trip in 40 days, but instead it turned into 40 years. So for 400 years that they were in captivity, then the time that they was in the wilderness, they forgot about the Sabbath because they were under Egyptian authority. Why you wouldn't remember how many of y'all remember that song? How many of y'all woke up in the 80s walking like an Egyptian? <laughs> well, what you think the Israelites did when they was in that captivity? Be real. We walk in America right now. We're doing a whole bunch of things we shouldn't be doing, but because we're American and we're free enough to do it, we do it. That'll make it right. So he had to tell them, remember what I told Adam and Eve. Because see, the other thing too, you know, if you know the Israelite history, they go back and they, they, they talk about their history. They talk about their past culture. They keep bringing it up to the kids. But evidently when they was in, that, in, in Egypt, they forgot. So now you say, hold up now. Remember beforehand. Remember your father Abraham. Remember your father Jacob. Remember what they did. Remember Joseph. So that's why he had to tell them, remember, that wasn't given to the Israelites as a commandment that day. It was already there. That's why he had to say, well, remember. How is this tied to the three angel messages? And that was the revelation 1417, we have to remember this. Revelation 14 and 7. He said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory, because the hour of judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. That was their message. You gotta go back and remember. Just like when the Israelites was in that out there getting these things, he said, you have to remember my Sabbath day. You also need to remember who created heaven and earth. Who created everything that's on it. That's what they're trying to get apart in, in Revelation. That's what it's talking about. <coughs> remember him who created everything. And now, like we said earlier, that's Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ. Remember that he was the word. Amen. The Bible says that on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. After resting on the seventh day, God sanctified it or set it apart as a day of rest. This is why Jesus can say the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Jesus could make this authoritative statement because he made or created the Sabbath as an eternal sign and seal of God's covenant with his people. The, seed, the Sabbath was not for the Hebrew people only, but for all humanity. Now, this is one I can deal with because you have to remember who the authors of this of this lesson is, and they come from the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and they believe 
against the seal, but we know that the Holy Spirit is your seal. That's where I'm going with Pastor. The seal is, is the Holy Spirit. Not, not a day. Because hold up now, because deep, that's why I say sometimes you shoot, you, they shoot holes in their own canoe. <laughs> because you just said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So that, that's not, that, that has nothing to do with, with the seal. The seal is the Holy Spirit. Once you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and you allow the Holy Spirit to enter into you, then you are sealed. I just wanted to clear that up because I know some people would have caught that when I was saying it, that this day is a seal. No, it's not. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit. Genesis indicates three things that Jesus did after he created the Sabbath day. And the first one is pretty obvious. First, he rested. Giving us a divine example of his desire to rest with us. Second, he blessed the seventh day. In the creation narrative, animals are to be blessed. And Adam and Eve are to be blessed. But the only day specifically blessed is the seventh day. God sanctified it or made it holy. And I said to make holy means to set apart for a noble purpose. No other day in the Bible receives these three designations. As I said earlier, they don't even get a name. These are three actions that are repeated in the fourth commandment throughout when God writes with his own finger and points back to creation as the foundation for the Sabbath. And as I said earlier, that's why I said you have to remember because he's going back to creation. Next, creation and marriage. The last decade has witnessed enormous changes in the way society and government define marriage. And all God's people just say amen. Many nations of the world have approved same-sex marriages, overturned previous laws that have protected the family structure that, compromise, that compromises it at the center, one man, one woman. This is unprecedented development in many respects. It raises the new question about the institution of marriage, the relationship with church and state, and the, sancti the sanctity of marriage in the family as described, as defined in scripture. Just real quick. We see it every day. They try to really downplay what God established. And God established marriage in the book of Genesis between Adam and Eve. And I use the little cliches everybody used. It wasn't Adam and Steve. When we downplay it, and they're doing, see, do y'all ever really pay attention? Because see, what they do is they know how your, your unconscious mind works. It catches everything that you watch on TV. They'll throw these little sitcoms, and they started way back probably in the late 70s, the early part of the 80s, when they wanted to have the little sexual revolution and everything. And it was, you, you might see an interaction and you might be like, man, do they really have something going on? But there wasn't no touching anything. 
It was just to kind of left you to your own devices. Do these two dudes really like each other? Do these two females really like each other? Well, then it went from there where it's all right for y'all to touch each other in an inappropriate way. Then they took it a step farther. They started letting them hold hands and stuff. Then it went to the kissing. Then it went to laying in bed. Now, ain't no telling what you might see. But see how they primed you? And in each generation, we thought it was all right. And I'm not, this is not gay bashing or anything like that. I have gay friends. We're friends. I think that's it. And if you if they ask me certain questions, I'm gonna give them the answer that we're talking about right here. No, it's wrong. Same sex marriage is wrong. I gotta just be point blank. But I don't try to, I don't try to treat them different or anything. You know, I gotta love them as a human being. Because remember what God said. God don't hate them for being gay. He hates the gay acts that they perform. He said, because he loves everybody. It's just the consequences of your action is going to determine what the judgment is in Revelation. When he comes back that second time, that's when we're judged on. It's not because of the person, it's because of what we do. And we can do that across the board for everything. Just because you, you, you like women and stuff, but you're having sex with other women, God ain't happy with that either. And I mean, we just got to be fair. Anything that is a sin in God's eye, I want to say that again, a sin in God's eye, not our eyes. If it's in the Bible and he calls it a sin, it's a sin. That's what God hates. And see, that's why now we can have, that's why there is the gay bashing and stuff. That's why all this hatred is going on. Because see, we're still hating the person. But what he's saying is word. Didn't he say that the, the powers of principality and higher wicked places? It's not flesh and blood. It's the things behind all of this that's causing these same-sex marriages and all that. Don't you know that's demonic? But here we are. We're downplayed. Us Christians, followers of Christ, the way. Because I'm a follower of the way. I'm a follower of the way. Yes, you are Messiah, Jesus the Christ. That's what I'm. That's what I call myself. On the sixth day, God came to the climax of creation and the creation of humanity. It is fascinating that the plural is used for God in Genesis 1 and 26. 
Let us make man in our image. Now, real quick, let's. What is an image? It's a perceive. It's how you perceive something. That's an image. Now, who's he talking to? Well, didn't we figure that out when we read John one? The word was with God. And we determined that the word was Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. So he's saying, let us make man in our image. All the persons of the triune Godhead in loving relationship with each other now create the divinely institute, instituted human relationship of marriage on earth. In the image, God, in the image of God, he created them, both male and female. Now check this out. Really, that's why he say you got to read stuff slow to catch something. In the image of God, he. So who created in the image of God? It wasn't God. It was Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, created man and woman in the image of God. Who was God's image? Love. <coughs> that's the image. Not the color of the skin. Not the physical, not the uh, physical attributes. That's not what he's saying. But see, for so long, that's what we think. That's why everybody got to prove a black Jesus, white Jesus. Don't you know, we talk about Arab countries and stuff. They're going to be kind of brown skinned. Just start looking at this stuff and start asking yourself some questions. What image was he creating in? And see, if we get out all that physical stuff and go back to the true attributes that we were created in, a lot of this hatred and stuff that's going on in the society right now will come to a halt. But you know what? I already know it's not going to happen because he said, see how that man, when those of you that's not scared to read Revelation, it's, I just won't do life now because I know it's going to be worse. Adam declared, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And Adam named her woman. Marriage required that a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one. We, we, we got to keep the G-rated, but we know what this means. But now what caught me, though, was Marriage requires that a man and woman shall leave his mother or father. Where Adam and Eve was first. Who was them mother? <laughs> I'm just being conceited right there, though. But that means, see, now that's for us. See, that's where it brings us into. Because you're supposed to leave your mother and father and marry the woman. My time is growing short. And as long as I, I always like to end my, my class with a prayer. And we're praying, our Father, our Father, we cry out to you right now, Father. Father, this lesson is pointing out, Father, we're creating the image of you, Elohim, the God most high, the loving God, the God who created everything that we were just talked about, Father. You instituted some things in your word. You gave us guidance. You gave us instruction. You gave us command. And Father, we've just grown so far apart from you. But right now, Father, we're taking time to remember. To remember that your son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, came back and is standing in a seat. No matter what we've done in our past, Father, 
We can get true forgiveness if we accept your son as our Lord and Savior and try to our best, Father, to do the things that you are asking us to do through your word, the word that was with you from the beginning, Father, as you said in your word yourself. Father, right now, allow our Holy the Spirit that lives in us, the Holy Spirit, to mingle with our soul, Father, and show us the right way. And the right way is through your word and your son, Yeshua HaMashiach. Father, right now, I just pray for this city, this state, this nation. Pray for everyone who's going through things, the, the families and ones who have lost loved ones, who are about to lose loved ones because they're on ventilators and they're fighting for their life, Father. And we know it's never too late, Father, that you are the miracle worker. And you can show these people a true miracle. And we're asking, Father, that you show miracles right now to your people. And as always, Father, we should give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. And Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. Jesus. All God's people say, Amen. 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 Amen.